0: Welcome to the Net Ministries podcast.
1: Welcome to the Net Ministries podcast. My name is Matt Reiswig. I'm Dan Driver, and we work for an organization called Net Ministries. At NET, we've noticed that a vast majority of Catholic youth are disconnecting from the church during their teenage years. So in response, NET trains teams of young adults and sends them to minister in parishes and schools across the nation. That's our day job. And podcasting is our afternoon job?
0: Yeah, and evening job and breakfast
1: job and whatever job you want it to be. Awesome. Dan, do you want to explain why we're doing a podcast? We're
0: doing a podcast to hopefully challenge you as a listener to love Christ more and embrace the life of his church. Absolutely.
1: And we're really excited. Uh, Some of our podcasts are going to be interviews. Today's going to be more of a discussion. Dan, do you want to give a little prep about what the discussion is going to be about today?
0: It kind of started as a passion project. One of my colleagues, Andy Norton, who's also a good friend of mine, is a passionate lover of TV and movies and just storytelling, as is a friend of ours. Ryan O'Hara, who works for another Catholic organization in the cities, we had this sort of online social media discussion on stranger things, and we thought we would just get behind a microphone and discuss what we liked about it, as well as discussing the morality of TV and how a Christian should approach binge-watching. How does that fit into the life of somebody who wants to be a disciple? So Ryan, myself, and Andy we discuss Stranger Things.
1: Yeah, awesome. Well, great. We're excited for you to listen to it. Here it is.
0: Okay, first of all, I'm just going to start off by saying I got on the Stranger Things bandwagon really late in the game. Like maybe three months ago from now, it's uh, what? Oh, Maybe even less than that. Maybe no, like two. It, it was, was it?
2: it? Three weeks
0: ago? Was it three it was weeks? Like, was, it was it October? Like so, it Was Was it so October?
2: <laughs> I want to say it was. Oh my gosh, it feels were like you, so
0: long you ago. You too, Andy? Or? No, 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 he was, was He it. I was on one it.
2: of the ones really encouraging M- Okay, Yeah, yeah. You,
0: I think you encouraged me more than anyone else. But hearing about all... People were really excited about yeah. season two of Stranger Things. So they were getting um, all the parties lined up for a Stranger Things season two launch party where people were going to dress up and there was going to be food themes. And I just thought, what is this about? Why are people so into Stranger Things? Um, And I thought, well, you know what, in my line of work, I need to know about this for Mm. the sake of the people that I relate to here in the ministry. So I did go and watch it. And I at first was really disappointed with it. It was kind of like, Mm. have you guys ever been to In-N-Out? Yes. Yes. Okay, so when I first came to America, right, I was inundated with all of the fast food options in Minnesota, Culver's and White Castle and all this kind of stuff. And it was all disappointing because it was just fast food. It was nothing revolutionary to me, but people speak about it in a revolutionary kind Mm. of way. And then when In-N-Out was mentioned, they said, oh, but this is different. I mean, these burgers are the best burgers you're ever going to taste. So I'm thinking in my mind, like really thick, juicy, gourmet burgers. And they're telling me it's all freshly made that day. I was super excited. It took me a year or so to get on the In-N-Out bandwagon. I eventually went to California, tried it and thought, this is a slightly, now don't be offended by this, slightly <laughs> better Mc- Donalds I'm sorry <laughs> it's not that great it's Ugh. not it what, so that was my first opinion because it's still fast food yeah it totally and is. i was expecting something like more than fast food mm. i was really disappointed but that being said i was able to like dash the hype out of my head and revisit in and out <laughs> and go okay now i just need to like try it for what it is without the hype and everything and i loved it i thought it was really good I love the burgers. I love the animal style. I love the fries. I love the fact that they have the little, like, hidden messages on it. Yeah. And, well, hidden messages, scripture. Yeah, yeah. That was my experience with Stranger Things as well. Hmm.
3: At, like, after, so you watched eight episodes. Yes. And it was at that point that you sort of decided, or did you, like, when did you feel that disappointment originally?
0: Disappointment was, like, for the first three episodes, First one I was like okay, this is good. Um, one, like I'm glad to be out of I'm just, I'm gonna offend someone again. I'm glad to be <laughs> out of the eighties. Like I didn't like the technology, I didn't really like the f- the eighties just felt a little bit depressing to me. Mm. I mean, even if you look at some of the like the songs, like pick any uh song, like they're all quite de- depressing, like Joy Division, The Smiths, all these people, they're quite Sad songs, and that was my experience of the limited time of the 80s and the early 90s that I experienced. So I was kind of glad to get out of it. So then, watching mm. something's 80s bass was a little bit okay, back in the 80s again, things are a little sad, the haircuts are dumb, and all of these kind of things that I experienced. So that was my first like take on it was just okay, it's good, it's all right, but it's not that great. And after episode three. I thought, okay, I'm gonna watch it to the end. And right now I'm not like super impressed. But as the story went on, I really enjoyed it. And I'm like a like a researchy kind of person, so I love to just research stuff, whatever it is. And I go onto IMDB and I go to the trivia section and I just looked at all of the it's trivia. A of all, yeah. It's a mile long <laughs> of all the connections of The classic 80s movies, like that being said, I just like sort of bashed on the 80s heavily. I have great fond memories of the Goonies as a kid, E.T., these classic movies, and the attention to detail just made it come alive. And then also the character development as well. Um, I fell in love with the characters. Uh, And then the storyline as it progressed, I loved the connections. Between um, some of my favorite stories of old. So that was kind <laughs> of, I guess that's a way of sort of introducing like where I came from with uh, this season um, and series. How about for you guys? Like how, you, you jumped on the bandwagon pretty late there, Ryan? Or no, were you I didn't. I, at we saw
3: it, we caught it uh, last summer. So it comes out, you know, summer, was it 2016? Oh, so you you watched it back then. Yeah. So you were at the beginning. Wow. Yeah. And so we were, you know, anxiously awaiting. (laughs) No hype. Was
0: it hype? Was it hype at that point?
3: Uh, Well, it was just, again, just it seemed like on social media, people were talking about it. We have Netflix and we're always looking for a good original television show.
2: But you mean to say that Dan waited like three weeks for season two and you I waited, waited a year, oh, waited a a year plus. <laughs> Let's just be clear on that. Yeah, and the payoff was sweet. Okay, so great. yeah,
3: so we were we were in right away. We were in right away and loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Wow. And for the same reasons, you eventually loved it. Yeah. Uh, the characters, the kids in particular. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm a I'm a kid of the '80s. I was yeah. basically the same age as them yeah. in 1983, uh, that's 1984. Awesome. Yeah, that's and so, so cool. the the bikes that I I rode around <laughs> yes. in, and the movies that I saw, and I saw E.T. in the theater. It was that was the first PG movie I ever nice. saw was <laughs> E.T. You know. And so um, it just felt – and I'm from Indiana. And it, so it just felt like Whoa. here I am. This is a, a little window into you. my yeah, childhood. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I love
0: that. Are you glad to be out of the 80s or did you like the 80s? Uh,
3: I love going back. I wouldn't want to visit. You know, it's like <laughs> a place I'd love to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. You yeah. know, So I love to visit, but I'm glad to be living in 2017. That's great.
2: Yeah, yeah. So for me, I think I watched it in like February, I want to say. So like about – what is that now? Eight months ago um and i don't really know i wasn't super hyped for i think i heard it mentioned it looked kind of interesting and i just watched it um and i from the first episode i fell in love with it uh spoiler i that's my favorite episode of this of the first season just season the episode one Mm -hmm. vanishing of will Byers, and just everything about that episode is perfect i think i've watched that episode I think like seven times. Really, I love that episode. Like everything about seven it. Seven. I watched it so many times tons. because I have watched the season two two times. I watched it with you. Uh, that, that episode, I think, yep. or yeah, you did. Watched. I've watched it a, a number of times. I just really, really like everything about it. And it introdu- it introduces all of those great characters so well. And one of the, the things I've loved about the show, um, and it set apart the show for me is is um, is how good all the characters are like there's so many shows that i do you struggle mean virtuous with.
3: or do you mean like how well developed uh, they are or interesting or a good, good yes one. it's a distinction.
2: great distinction i guess likable first and likeable, foremost yeah. is what i mean because i struggle to find truly likable characters sometimes actually in shows and movies i sure. just i'm just like ah, i don't really like anybody in the show and therefore i'm not in the story but for this one i like everybody yeah. i like everybody they're just likable in the way that they develop them and, and they're fun you like billy i um, Billy, uh, Billy, not so much, not even Billy, like, yes. even Billy. Yeah. There's, I mean, cause it shows that I think I sometimes will, will, um, will watch and be like, I didn't want to spend, you know, 40 minutes with this person, you know, or with these people. Cause you really kind of spend time with them, uh, when you're watching a show. And for this, I just really love spending time with those kids and with, you know, the, the different, you know, tracks of the story, the kids, the teens, the adults, Um, I just, I love, I loved it. And, uh, and unfortunately I felt like Sarah wouldn't, my wife, Sarah wouldn't necessarily want to watch it for a long time. I I watched it by myself. Um, and just recently she, I finally was sat down and watched it with her and I was able to kind of spoil things a little bit for her. She'd be like, does someone die here? You know, (laughs) And and I'd be like, no, no, no one dies. Um, or I'd try and, you know, try and kind of break it for her a little bit softer or skip a super scary scene. Um, And now she loves it. And it's so nice to have it like a part of the family. So,
0: I mean, there are some pretty intense like images and scenes in the series. Um, I know for my wife, like watching the first season Mm. was hard for her. Uh, She watched it and she liked it, but the intensity of the horror... And that kind of stuff was too much for her. So she said, I can't actually watch season two with you. So I ended up watching season two <laughs> pretty much alone, uh, barring a few episodes that I was able to watch with some other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, why don't we talk a little bit about story? Like, what did you guys think of the story? Do you think it's one of the stronger points of Stranger Things? Or where do you th- think it fits into like how we receive the uh show is just being awesome.
2: That's a great question. And I think I've thought about that a little bit and I'm not sure where I stand. Uh, my my initial take would almost be that actually like as far as like a plot goes, maybe it's the weakest point of the story in a sense. I, I that would be my initial kind of proposition because I I think if you were to like sit down and read the the plot the script kind of I don't, I don't know it's kind of simple kind of
3: well and and i've heard some people talk about the the mythology of stranger things isn't very well developed yeah. and we don't exactly know what this upside down is where it's come from what like what is actually happening yeah. Yeah. you experience what what they're experiencing and it seems terrible um but the but at the same time it does seem to kind of they did a nice job of kind of hanging first the first season together from kind of beginning to end and there it wasn't so out there that you know you couldn't stomach it but I think I've heard them say that that they're we're not really sure what what it is that these people are encountering and hmm. why is it there in Hawkins and and what's going on what's the connection with the lab and with the the previous labs you know, mission, uh, you know, that we see 11 and others being a part of and what's the connection there. So,
2: yeah, yeah. A lot of that does seem to be sort of like, you know, it relies on like this feeling of there being like this lab that's, you know, you know, kind of scary and doing these different experiments and are the Russians involved? And, you know, there's like these different questions that don't necessarily get answered. and, And sometimes you get this feeling like maybe there's not like a really big substance behind all that um as far as that goes i would say actually season 2 might have made that strong uh made that even more prominent to me but with things like the the demodogs um i felt like it was a little bit uh hard to see how those where those came from and how they fit into our world and and what what it was you know i think people wonder like what what are the demodogs how do they relate to the demido- get demogorgon yeah. and um and who's a shadow monster? Right. Well,
3: and why? Why? Why did Will, in a sense, survive? Yep. Season one, but Barb didn't. Yeah. And you know, that that to me mm. seems like an obvious question, but yeah. there's no there's no clear. We we don't really. It seems like Will is there's something special about Will. Yeah. And whereas the you know they would just as easily you know discard these the dem, the demogorgon or the demodogs or whatever would discard most everyone in their in their path, but not will. And so what's what's going on there? And maybe we'll learn. I hope we learn more about what's up with Will.
2: What's up with Will? Yeah, I wonder. I mean, he wasn't bleeding, right? At the, when he got when he vanished. No, he
0: wasn't. I because yeah. I, I went back to look at that. and I'm pretty sure there was no blood on him. So I don't know how the Demogorgon uh, traced him. Traced like, him. That, that was the one thing in my mind. Oh, wait a minute. Was he bleeding? I don't, I don't think, I it don't was think he street. was. Neither on the was shit. the scientist at the
2: in the opening scene. There's no blood on him. Interesting. Okay, so it doesn't necessarily just kill someone because they're bleeding. I mean,
0: that could be like a, a loophole in, you know, that could just yeah. be, a, what, what do you call it, a, um, I don't know. Goof. Goof. Know. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. Goof.
2: Yeah. 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 The, it could be, because of course, I mean, for those listening at home, uh, if you don't remember, remember that the that the, it's blood that attracts the Demogorgon in such a special way. Um, but, yeah, there was no blood on that initial scientist, mm-hmm. no blood on Will. But Will, I think the Im- implications seem to be that he, like, escaped the Demogorgon into the Upside Down. Or or maybe he was, was he taken out? It seemed like I he was he hiding was ta- somehow.
0: I think he was taken somehow. Yeah. Because, um, um, I mean, you, you basically see him get kind of enveloped and then boom well, and he's that's gone. right i forgot um but somehow when he's in the upside down he either escapes or the demogorgon releases him which doesn't make sense because usually people are taken to the library the upside down library or whatever and store them there
3: well and, and don't we end up seeing will sort of with with some kind of vine or yes. something that's sort of attached to his Yeah, he no, eventually uh, does w- get caught, w- Yeah, and... he
0: eventually gets caught in Castle Byers. So he's in the upside down Castle Byers right. um, and one of the episodes I can't remember which one ends with the Demogorgon busting in. Yeah. Um and you're left with this question of is World dead now. Yeah. Um which of course we discover that he isn't. Um But just bring it back to like story and then we can discuss characters yeah, yeah, again. Yeah. So with the story like you said, you know, one of the things that keeps you kind of going is, um, what did you say specifically? You said, like, there's something uh, about the story that just keeps you sort of hooked. In my mind, it's, like, the mystery. There are questions that are constantly brought up that you're like, okay, so okay, so there's a lab. Like, what? How, what's the involvement of that? Yes. And there's this girl, and who is she, and why does she have a tattoo? Obviously, she's been experimented on, or it's something... Sort of weird happening connected to the lab, what's going on? Um, questions constantly come up which sort of draw you into the story, but the story arc is really just in my uh, experience of it just a slow revealing of new pieces of information hmm. um, and for that reason, like the story for me is not like the number one thing like, yeah like, right. the one thing that kept me like with the one thing that kept me with stranger things when I was having my in and out episode <laughs> um, was 11. Like, yeah. She was a joy to watch. And maybe we can talk about characters in a bit, but any other thoughts on the story?
3: Yeah. For uh, me, it was, a, it was the string. It was the likability of these characters and you, you were invested in them. You, you wanted it to work out. You wanted them to find their friend Yeah, and, you know, they're missing part of the party or whatever, you know? And, um, and, you you feel for and as as dads you feel for Joyce the mom mm, you know just mm-hmm. that ache and that possibility and if you you know again everyone thought he was dead except she she just knew yeah. you know and so you just and you wanted that resolution um, and so in a sense it's really simple it's that yeah it's yeah. that disappearing person it's that missing person story mm-hmm. it's that that ache that you have that their friends be reunited and because they're so likable, I think because they did such a good job in character development and getting the right folks in the right place and, and telling the story in such a way that I, I would I could look I ended up looking past certain questions that I would have because I loved the story and I love I love the the, the the environment, the feel of this Hawkins in nineteen eighty three and this little community. Um, you know, from the police chief, you know, on down.
0: Yeah, I, I really, really liked the development of the characters. I mean, Hopper kind of... The first time I saw Hopper, I just thought, okay, this guy, is, he doesn't even care about this kid. And then you realize very quickly that his story involves like having lost a kid. Mm. Um, and then he very quickly... like Something switches, maybe it's speaking to Joyce. And there's a trigger in him that just changes him from sort of lazy um disinterested kind of chief to i'm gonna find we have to find will and i like his story of redemption um and i like joyce's story of redemption because you're left thinking that she's crazy and i love the kids like the kids are the the number one thing for me that that their story of just getting their party back and at one point they are the most like clear thinking people in the entire season and i just loved for me it gave a feel of like lord of the rings i I felt like i'm watching a new lord of the rings and these kids are the hobbits they're like the least suspecting heroes and yet they are all like the key to understanding the entire thing um so for me i loved i just loved that um but no like one like element in the story beyond the characters i think stuck out to me um so yeah we could talk about characters for a bit like a little bit deeper um eleven i think we should talk about to begin with as i said she was the number one thing just as an actress um she was a joy to watch when yeah. we when we first saw her um there's the question in the show oh there's a there's a boy in the kitchen um and you think is it a boy is it a girl yeah like i didn't know anything about this season so i didn't or series so i didn't know that 11 was a girl so i'm with the character there thinking it's a boy and then as he discovers oh wait a minute you're not a boy you're a girl like that was my discovery too um and then just her facial expressions how she carried just an incredible actress and a really sweet character um my wife commented that um, uh, though she is sweet, like there's also just that sort of dark side. There's like darkness because of her past and mm-hmm. how she'd been um, essentially abused by those in power. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my initial take of Eleven. How about you guys? What was, what was yours?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, try- I'm trying to remember back to my first uh, thoughts of Eleven, but I just, I really, she was one of my favorite parts of season one for sure um was was her character and you know as you discovered more about her and just her simple like words she would say and and cling on to and and her and mike's relationship as he um is there for her and is explaining things to her and it's a very pure relationship and and um and it it but there's also that darkness, and it was you know so many scary scenes of seeing her background and what they were trying to use her for and um and then of course, there's kind of her arc into season two, which I maybe we could talk about too, but I want to hear more your initial thoughts, right, yeah,
3: I think um eleven for me eleven was was she's the heart, she was the heart of season one uh in in this interesting way i think in both she represents the the innocence of of a child she's almost this kind of blank slate
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: um and yet she has this sort of power that's well beyond her years or natural human ability so she kind of spans both kids and and mm-hmm. even you know exceeds grown-ups in terms of what what they might even be physically capable yeah. of you know so that was interesting in that um, but I love um, Dustin is is one of my favorite of the four. I just think I love his his kind of his attitude and <laughs> just his, the way he. Uh, it reminds me of some of you know my favorite kind of Goonies characters. Um, again, just just that that sort of irreverent kid that yes. just makes, <laughs> makes stuff happen yeah. and and sort of the ingenuity uh, of Dustin. I I love I love Dustin.
2: Yeah, I do love him. I yeah. think we were talking earlier, Dan, and did you say he's your favorite part part of season two or favorite character? D-
0: Dustin is my favorite
3: from season two. Not Bob. Two.
0: Not Bob. No, Bob. Bob. Bob is Bob's up there. Bob is Bob, Bob, like, Bob, Bob. is Bob is top. <laughs> I,
3: I just I, I I just kept marveling at what he brought to the table. Yeah, and I, you really, just yeah. and then again we we know what happened, right? Mm, you know, yeah, I, it it made sense that he he yeah. died, you know, yeah. uh, but was that I mean that was so gripping the way he yeah. he played that and his his courage because now, yeah. again he's not the guy who you would expect hoppers the guy you expect to go um mm. but they I thought they took his character to great places and he even thought at first maybe this guy's going to turn maybe this guy's like, kind of a bad you know like yeah. did he know something and he's given will this advice yeah. about how to handle this monster yeah. and of course it backfires yeah you I was know my head at that but point that's not really no hard. Bob was just he was again another kind of hobbit like literally, yes. yeah. 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 literally yeah, yeah. literally <laughs> character so I I absolutely loved Bob and he was a joy every time he was on screen I just couldn't and the same way with Billy yeah, but uh, for other reasons, I just could not believe. You, you it. love Billy. I love it in the sense that is this guy for, for real? Yeah. You, I mean, I mean, he he. For, I mean, talk about doubling and tripling down on the hair yeah, and yeah, the yeah, attitude yeah, yeah. and the look the and the, smol- you know, the smoldering everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. And then, then with the scene with Mike's mom was just oh, unbelievable. I mean, the guy is a master. But I love because the whole time we're thinking, what's up with Billy? This guy is an absolute I mean, jerk doesn't even begin to describe it. But then you (laughs) see, again, thankfully, and and the Duffers have done a great job of telling, giving us some backstory, Mm. even if it's just a little bit. That one scene with his dad told us everything we needed to know. Which is
0: interesting. Like, that particular scene with the dad, I heard that Billy requested that there be some scene like that. That It wasn't in the original script, um, but he wanted people to understand... That not you know you're not just born like a jerk yeah that there are usually things that lead you to decisions so they yeah. he wanted people to understand his character better so he asked yeah. if that scene could be there
3: well and I I I didn't know what was going to happen with Steve in you know in that fight yeah and <laughs> if, I, if you guys were like me I'm like he likes it he I mean like he can he this guy has taken so many punches yeah. I don't know how to take a punch. Yeah. If somebody punched me like that, I'm probably out. But he would just, he just came back for more and more and more. And then, of course, he he took care of Steve. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I just could not believe it how easily he and almost joyfully took those punches. Probably like, <laughs> this guy's got nothing on my dad. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, but th- that's interesting because I thought that was a really important part because they, they just kept showing him not relative to almost anybody else. He was just showing up in his car, being a jerk to his sister, being a, a jerk to whoever else, but you never knew. And so I'm really glad they did
2: that. Yeah, I am too. And it was cool though to see, you know, Steve was sort of a similar character in right. season one. You know, you right. started off as, as a kind of, who is this jerk, you know? Um, and he was actually my, my favorite
3: part of season two. It? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love. Steve. Well, especially at the end too, right? Just yeah.
2: Whole, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah the very end, so good. And 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 just his, uh, yeah, yeah. How he um, how he's there for Dustin and uh, and takes on like that just different role. You saw him maturing yes. so yes. much through the season, especially as he um, was, you know, he you know while Jonathan and Nancy are off doing their thing. You know, he was there for the kids and he was, you know, trying to, like, be mature through it. You know, this yeah. is a guy who was okay with spray painting, you know, very scandalous things on, on the, uh, what, was it, what was it called? The the um, the movie sign? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. And um, the Hawkins movie theater. Yeah. yeah. And um, and so I, I really loved Steve. And it was just funny, too, with him and Dustin. <laughs> and yeah. they were so good
3: you know with the steve thing it is almost like again i would say what that showed was the like when you when you as a young man when you finally kind of see yourself not just relative to other other like say like you're not just one half of a dating pair when you become your own man and you kind of step away from Kind of the allure of relationships, the power of relationships, and you you finally see outside of yourself. And I thought that's what he yes. really demonstrated was most young men or young women, and even in some ways we see that as 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 an. That's one of my critiques of of the of the the character development that that they really they they keep kind of going back to the romantic mm-hmm. side, and I I think they they actually did something beautiful with Steve in that he was just kind of let that go. He wasn't a jerk. I mean, he could have walked away, right? Yeah. And just said, you know, screw this crew. Uh connected to Nancy, but he went outside of himself. And it's a really beautiful thing. It when really is, men yeah. go outside of themselves and 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 have a bigger sight for their life than just whatever romantically is p- possible right here. Mm. You know? I
0: think yeah, I think Steve's becoming was incredible uh in the first season when he kind of has a you know that really significant change of heart. I mean he just got beaten the crap out of like I thought you you could possibly die right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You just got really, really beaten. And he has the courage to even in spite of that and the denting in his pride to turn around and come back and seek out Jonathan again to have, I'm presuming, some kind of reconciliation He had terrible timing, but, um, I, I just, I loved that about Steve. Um, my, like my thing with, uh, I guess I just have a hard time having come from a place in my past where I lived like a lot of these people. Like I can see me in the past being Billy. I can see me in the past being Steve in his worst moments, um, and for that reason like i desire greatness and goodness in them so it was even in season 2 it was he, i saw him doing something virtuous so he's walking down train t- tracks shout out to stand by me but he was walking down the uh train tracks with Dustin giving him advice which was bad like the the advice was not wholesome advice hmm. it w- but he was like, the, the action of, like, I'm looking out for my younger guy. I want him to be successful at up, relationships. Yeah. But still, there was, like, a dissatisfaction with it. Um, and then also just the whole, you know, the the love triangle thing. Like, that, that whole thing, like, was tiresome for me. Um, I just wanted Nancy to, like, be clear with people and make a choice. And,
3: and were you guys – I mean, I was rooting for – Them, I mean, at one point they they're in that Murray's house and they've got separate bedrooms. Compound, yeah, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) creepy. (laughs) And and they've got their separate bedrooms and then they they kind of meet and then they go back and I just and I was you know I'm always cheering for that moment. Could we could we sort of you know could Hollywood or whatever they are celebrate you know a certain virtue of of chastity of just saying no in this moment? But of course. You know, yeah. they brought him back. And those were those were the kind of moments where I just felt like, um, you know, that we, they'd fall back into convention. And I, you know, there's some disappointment there. But it's not often in that case with the show. But those are.
2: Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. It's funny. I, I sometimes vacillate for some a scene like that to what from sometimes I'm on that side of like, you know, hopefully they just won't have them, you know, do this, make this bad choice. But to, oftentimes you get to a point sometimes with something like this where you're like. Uh, as long as they don't maybe glorify it too much or show too much, and, and at least for no, season two, they were that, very tasteful sure. with it. Yeah. And um, and I think I, I was thinking about this the other day, just how the show handles sexuality in general. And um, I at least they were they were more tasteful here in season two. In season one, it was sort of a more mixed bag. Mm-hmm. In in so far as. You know, I think we saw too much of, you know, what was going on with Steve and Nancy in that one scene. And unfortunately, it was interweaved with things going on with Barb. And yeah, so you could so, never get away with, from Yeah, it. <laughs> you couldn't really totally, like, just right. look away. Um, and yet, I, I think I I did like how they showed her regret. And, um, you know, actually, when Sarah and I were watching it again, we just skipped that whole scene. And I told her, yeah, Barb, (laughs) Barb dies and, uh, and, uh, or at least she's taken, she's taken. We think she dies. And, uh, (laughs) and, you know, Steve and Nancy make a, you know, a mistake that they probably regret, you know, and I think they do regret it. And I think it showed a little bit of, it didn't really glorify it to me. It didn't, it didn't make me feel like, oh, you know, I wish if I were in that situation that that would happen to me or whatever, you know know what I'm saying? Like that that happens a lot of times in, in shows. I remember the one that sticks out in my mind is, uh, uh is that mission impossible ghost protocol where there's a scene it's not very it's not graphic at all but there's some but they have this scene where there's a woman agent who's trying to seduce this man to keep him uh kind of you know away from the action and the way they do the scene is it's not graphic but it makes your heart feel like oh i wish i was in this situation Mm. i wish i had you know i wish like it glorifies this seduction and this sort sort of uh, this sort of um, situation of kind of sexuality outside of the context of marriage. Right. But um, but in the show, I feel like in Stranger Things, they don't glorify it that way. You know, these are kids, and they <laughs> they really shouldn't be you know having having uh, these relations outside of outside of marriage. It just doesn't make sense for these like teenagers to be you know sleeping around, and and it's and it's uh, it kind of just convolutes everything and 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 uh and so it's so cool to see how steve kind of steps out of that game like you said steps out of that out of that that sort of sucker's world in a sense
0: yeah i mean from the beginning he he noticed something different about nancy like there was a purity to Mm -hmm. her that he Mm -hmm. was attracted to that was different to any of the other girls that he Mm -hmm. had been with um but at the same time like i just find it dissatisfying um i think they did a good job of showing it how it is like they they showed the reality of yeah. teen relationships that are a lot like that partying is like that people um get in bed with each other and somebody ends up disappointed that's a pretty normal thing again because i've experienced that specifically from a former time like it's just to me like it perpetuates the culture of doing that it shows it how it is um but it still perpetuates it. Mm. So, if, to me, it's just it, it was like slightly dissatisfying. But in the same in the same breath, like as I'm watching, I'm like, I didn't not expect this to happen. Like this is pretty much standard. Um, right. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was pretty much the same with most of the how they portrayed relationships in um, the show. I think there was just like a sexualization of it but then again that's what the world thinks that the goal of romance is sex um when uh, jonathan and nancy presumably sleep together like it's because they can't control it and they're just welling up with love that they have to come together and no forces can stop them um and it was really in the context of nancy cheating on steve so that was like, yeah. incredibly in that creepy disa- compound. Yeah, <laughs> in like a real, creepy like really, place yeah. because <laughs> some guy who's clearly really creepy, yeah, like insinuates something about their relationship and they act upon that. It was just, it, yeah. I don't know. It was. Weird. I agree with that absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, um, other characters. I mean, I, I, we've covered a, a few of them. Let's talk about a couple of. Um, uh, let's talk about Hopper. I love Hopper. Okay, To me, like the one thing that stuck out to me, I'm like, this dude is like Han Solo. He's not perfect. He's kind of like this rogue knight. Um, and he's sort of coming into a situation where he's forced to be the hero where he wouldn't normally choose it, but uh, there's a sense of obligation that he has to become a hero. So I loved him and I loved his sort of Han Solo lines as well. I thought he was uh, one of the better things, particularly about season one, the better characters. So, how about you
2: guys? What do you think about Hopper? I, I think it's really interesting you, you describe him as like a Hansello esque character because I think he is. He's sort of like this mercenary type of person, but it's it's so cleverly done where he's the sheriff. You know, he's got guys working under him. You know, Callahan and you know, <laughs> Callahan. all that, and uh, and yet and yet he. Um, and yet he's he is this mercenary still or or he's he's you know, you don't think you can count on him to actually be there for for everyone. Um, but he steps up to the plate, you know. Um and I loved in season one the backstory that you learn about his daughter and and So sad. So sad and the way it impacted him and, and his wife. Um and very yeah really so so sad but so beautiful to see how that was at play as he was seeking after will and then in season two because in season one did he even really meet 11 i don't think he really
0: remember when he meets him but when he does he pretty much just loves her yeah as his own in a mixed kind of motive way Mm-hmm. Um, just a just a real quick thing, like in the flashback to his daughter Sarah, I think that's her name. Yeah. She um, has a little like blue friendship bracelet on. Um, oh no, pigtails, pigtails. She has pigtails with a little like thing. He turns it into a bracelet and wears it. And at the end of season two, at the snowball, eleven has no way. the bracelet. Wow. On it's really cool. But anyway, wow. so I mean, it shows his heart. Like, because there is, especially like in season two. There's a moment where you're like, oh, my gosh, you're like a weird – it's this weird love where you're trying to live vicariously through your love of Eleven and bringing that back to – you're left with that question. But he even, I think, overcomes that, and there's a pure love that I think comes through that.
3: Yeah, no, I thought Hopper Hopper was a ton of fun. Again, um, you need you needed – you needed somebody, I think, like that. again, a strong a strong adult man around. Yeah. To do some hard stuff. And yeah. <laughs> you know, and I and and you've got you've got sort of I know there's like these um we've got Joyce, you know, there's like gifts out on all over this place you know i'm stressed but not as stressed as <laughs> joyce Byers. you know like there's joyce Byers stressed now yeah. and she's just got this frenetic thing oh, yeah. and that's not his vibe and i just love i love calm strong you know and, and again un- unfinished unfinished man like like most of us but but again uh, a man's a man's man um yeah. and and i thought that was also the interesting thing we talked about the the kids um, the kids, even even Hopper, I loved in this. In the, again the second season, last episode, this sort of them explaining to him this whole like Dungeons and Dragons world, and he's kind of like, "Okay, is that a thing?" Well, well, I don't know, and you know, <laughs> and, and like he, they started to make some sense, and and they sort of had figured it out, and he, you know, sort of rolled with it. So a certain kind of humility, I, I thought he played he played it really interestingly. Um, he had he had a a a really a kind of this fatherly spirit about him, but you could tell he was still just so broken mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and just all, didn't know how to do it and was got this second yes, chance yeah. and um, and yet and yet it's in him and you could see all the all the more why it pained him to lose his daughter you know because he's got that spirit about him and you can imagine how that would break would break a man yeah but yeah i love love the character and uh so he's so critical
0: and he really helped the story to like be pushed forward and i think you you said it pretty well there that he need that like kind of adult strong adult figure um that joyce wasn't but he was and andy you said about him like you you left wondering like is this guy gonna like actually do anything and he pulls through every time um and it was a joy for me to watch and i don't really like want to condone violence but every time he had to resort to (laughs) violence just made me laugh because like there was nothing that he could do he had to knock the guys out um and for me that was uh just a part of the moving the story along that i thought was pretty interesting because it was it was sacrificial because you're thinking this could get him killed like in fact i i mean in my mind I i i had some other uh show in my head so i was expecting characters to be killed um more often um and i was thinking they're gonna they're gonna kill they're gonna wipe out hopper and then that's Mm -hmm. gonna be the end what are they gonna do next but they they didn't and i was glad of that
3: yeah and he and he was not what i love again he he wasn't willing to settle for again he and joyce were this interesting sort of internal external internal, like Joyce, in the house and with Will Mm, and in the moment. uh, And she's just kind of looking at him, trying to figure it out, whereas Hopper was external. And it's a beautiful kind of image, again, of of proper kind of family life. Uh, You know, there's the the internal relationship, this sort of motherly, nurturing piece. And then there's the man who will go out into the wild, literally into the upside down and into the whatever we're calling the, the tunnels or whatever those were. He was the one you know, not satisfied with, with what's going on. And he was willing to push into this frontier. And so it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition, I think, of motherly, fatherly
2: kind of roles. I think that's true. Although I also think I see a little bit with Joyce of um, just her, the way that she was yeah, in the house all the time, frenetically going around. It it seems to me like a great image of of depression and, and being trapped in your own mind and the sort of um the sort of what do they call it rumination that happens uh in in depression and anxiety where where things are just kind of the same and and they, and they kind of keep coming back at you and and, right. you're, and you're dwelling on things yes. and staying in something and staying crazy. trapped like she ve- seemed really trapped in there and um and so i think that's true but, but there was the other side too where it was this like very uh relatable and kind of painful to watch thing of when she even tried to Get out of that! She seemed like a fish out of water when she was going back to the store and trying to, you know, buy a new phone. And <laughs> right.
0: I mean, I mean, there, if my experience was that is she crazy? You know, like you're mm. thinking, is this how much of this is in her mind? Like, how much is she like imagining this, or is well dead? Is he not? You know, when you first watch it with a sort of clean slate, like you're not influenced by people talking about it, there is those questions that I think naturally come up and keep you hooked um and of course you learn that in her craziness she's sort of the most sane person at one point um in her like most insane moments when she's gathering together christmas (laughs) lights and like talking to them Mm. which is just a very clearly insane thing to do (laughs) she is the most sane because she gets it she knows her the heart of her son and she knows her son very well and will just go after him.
2: I love that. And that dynamic, I think, is what made Jonathan so compelling as a character, yeah. too. Because that was, like, the main thing going on for him in season one was thinking his mom was crazy. Yeah. And then that slow kind of shifting of thinking maybe she's not – well, she has to be. Will's dead, you know. Um, there's a body, you know. We, are, we have a funeral to plan. I love that scene where they're uh, walking the street, through the yeah. street. yeah. And, heartbreaking yeah heartbreaking uh and so so relatable i love i loved uh jonathan in, in those moments
0: yeah for me jonathan was a was also a, another character that i did really like um and i think with a lot of the que- characters your questions are brought up in your mind for me the question with jonathan was when he was taking those photos of the the, the party that was happening like what was going on in his mind was he being creepy in that moment was he i mean is it an objectively a creepy thing to take photos of somebody undressing or dressing when they're not aware of you doing that like mm-hmm. objectively creepy but like was his heart sort of drawn toward lust or was it something else and there's a there's like this weird in innocence about um jonathan that sort of pervades through both seasons i think um i think it was interrupted with his choice to Um, cross that boundary and and go share a bed with nancy but the innocence there there was there was something else going on at least for me as i'm watching him and he's often misunderstood but just watching how much he loves his younger brother Mm -hmm. and wants to step into that role of being a father to the fatherless that was something that i found really compelling about jonathan's character and made me like him even though he's kind of weird looking and creepy in his actions I did like him
2: Mm -hmm.
0: okay so let's quickly just talk about Brenna and the Demogorgon um so Brenna like presumably gets munched right
2: yeah I watched that scene again recently and it's more of a of a he gets hugged kind of by the Demogorgon (laughs) You you see you see him kind of get like you see like the Demogorgon kind of Come over very quickly over him, and that's all you see. Actually, I think of the end of Brenner, which is why then in season two, they're saying that he's still alive, right?
3: I think it's un, I think it's unclear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't know if the principle generally is unless you see the person dead on screen. <laughs> it's there's always yeah, the possibility always and then yeah. there's shows that you can see people dead on screen and they still come back but like this show <laughs> you know <laughs> but will. so i uh i think it's i think they had plenty in season 2 that they didn't have to to bring him back and that would be one of those things i could see uh third cuz he's definitely this this really powerful character in in the overall story yeah yep. and um and it gets back to 11 and and again who who she is and this kind of this this innocence uh and yet he's um, you know been psychologically and otherwise abusing mm-hmm. abusing her yeah. and 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 then now presumably m- many others yes you yeah. know yeah. um i didn't think about there being others you yeah. know and then of course we see in you know first episode of season 2, you know, zero zero eight yeah. And of course we get to meet her and and again, there's probably a much bigger world out there, uh one through 10 yeah. or others, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I you mean know. it
0: could be one through a 100. I, I right. where does it stop and yeah. and who died in those experiments we just don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy to think. Um so I I used to play a lot of computer games. Um one of the games that I played all the way through was a game called Half-Life. And it's about this lab that kind of is doing these experiments and ends up opening up a portal to another dimension. And these very, like, similar sort of hmm. Demogorgonish type creatures start coming in and out. And there's this one character in it throughout the entire game who keeps resurfacing, very much like a Brenner kind of character hmm. who... Um, is like the overarching mystery somehow connected at the very core of the story, but you never ever find out what his deal
1: is. Really? You never do?
0: No. I mean, Half-Life, like there was Half-Life one, two, and then a bunch of other stuff. You never find out. Mm. Um, It never completes the story. So you're left wondering. I mean, there's so much of that in Stranger Things anyway. But with Brenner, like, I kind of think, I wonder if they're throwing back. I wonder if these guys, the the Duff, Duffer brothers, mm-hmm. I wonder if they played Half-Life. Because there's mm-hmm. a lot of themes yeah. Yeah, that's great like question. that. In My fact,
2: brothers played it. I remember a lot of the lab scenes do oh, look a lot scenes. like Identical. Half-Life. Yeah. The
0: main character in Half-Life, is his name is Shepard. The first scientist to go into, he gets eaten
2: um it is, it is No, uh, it's got to be intentional. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it does make me Even wonder. Even like the isn't isn't like the sound, like the alarm sound isn't that the same in that, Half-Life too?
0: I think so, yeah. There's uh, the really alarm sounds, similar. there's also some weird like um atmospheric noises that mm-hmm. are very Half-Life and then the lab scenes are really really Half-Life. But Half-Life is super creepy like that cuz you're you're in this world where there's a interdimensional stuff which in this, like, it's really comes to a point with the Demogorgon in season one, and in season two, the Mind Flyer. Um, but the Demogorgon, like, I wanted them to explain it. I wanted them to explain more about the Demogorgon. I hmm. want to know, like, what is it? Is it, um, is it the result of an experiment? Is it, like, a projection somehow into reality of a very, very dark corner in Eleven's mind? Um, is it all of her pain and her hurt? Like impersonified into is that whole dimension like her, like all of these questions like they weren't answered, and I really wanted to know like, okay, so what are we dealing with here um and I don't say it's i mean it is like by nature dissatisfying, but it's um I think you can over explain things as well, mm-hmm. like the reboot of Star Wars. With episodes one, two, and three, when they're explaining in depth the mythical of Anakin and all of this, like that just took it to a level of okay, you've just like devoided every mystery and thing that could inspire awe in people because now we know like there's a whole science structure and it's yeah, like I don't want them to do that,
2: but I do kind of want to know like where, what is the source of this? Where's the origin? See, I think I think honestly, I think they do a pretty good job with things like that because I mean, technically you could go p- pick up the player's handbook for the, you know, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, <laughs> probably learn some more about it because basically You think there's a direct is beyond analogy. You think that um I think that they they draw I think a lot uh especially in season 1 with the the Demogorgon and the Veil of uh Shadows, what so it's called. Cool. Yeah. Um I mean, there's it, the connection is so close like the kids get get it like right on with like understanding who the demogorgon is how he operates how the veil of shadows operate or how the un- upside down operates since it's like the veil of shadows season two i think they still tried to do the same thing and i think the show intentionally tried to show it as actually not necessarily as accurate i don't think the mind flayer character from D was was as accurate To explaining what was going on with with the shadow monster that's my that's my feeling and the kids kind of admit that because they're like where are you getting this information from and they're like it's just a game (laughs) you know um because in the end it is it's just a game it's just this made-up world but i mean i think you technically could go back and kind of get a lot of more background information on the demogorgon if you wanted to by just going back and reading some more of the source materials that they're going after or even like gosh, since it's pulling everything from the eighties, like you think about like the, the alien monster, you know, like you almost, I almost see things like that as sort of the backstory of the Demogorgon. It's like, it's like this composite figure of all these pieces. And, um, so you can kind of understand it pretty well, at least the Demogorgon. I want to throw out a question of, do you think that the, what, what was the stronger villain or strange monster creature, at least, uh, between the two seasons, the Demogorgon or the shadow monster slash mind flayer, which actually is that, I mean, is that what we agree? That's like one, 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 uh, bad guy, right? The, the shadow monster that then also kind of inhabits will. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think was that? That was,
3: that was scarier. I thought that had a much bigger kind of scale. Will's like possession. Yeah. And especially when, you realized he couldn't be trusted, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden, that that flipped everything. It was a great turn, you know, at the end of whatever episode six or seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, again, the Demogorgon, the Demogorgon was a sort of solitary figure, uh, and then you know we've we've got the Demodog, and then multiple Demodogs, and you've got the Mind Flayer, and how he, you know this sort of hive mind reality, and then and then we're in we're in the upside down. And and the the vines and I, it, it just felt a lot more multi layered and I had I just kept thinking how are they gonna how are they gonna figure this one out you know yeah. mm-hmm. and so it didn't it 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 didn't feel last season one felt a little more straightforward and kind of like big monster kill the big monster we're good this this season it was much more um, complex yeah and and so yeah the, this was.
2: You think it's better, be- be- stronger, yeah. almost as strong-
3: okay. Yeah, even though you could never really put your, your hand on it in mm-hmm. the same way you could season one.
0: For me, the Demogorgon was the... I think it was more shocking than the Mind Flayer because uh, I hadn't been introduced to the world of um, Stranger Things. So my introduction to the world of Stranger Things, the first villain is this enigmatic alien-like creature where you're you're left wondering, like, is this an alien? Like, what is happening? Have they opened up a portal to a different universe? Or what's going on? I don't understand. Um, And the way that it behaved, like the fact that it could follow well back, and it seemed to have some powers like eleven, So it was able to unlock the door from the outside. Um, So it has some kind of sort of telekinesis that it can do, Um, and that was horrifying. And the fact that, okay, even when he did escape and he gets his gun and he's so brave, I loved Will's bravery in the first episode, it appears behind him Mm. and just swallows him up and has the ability to manipulate energy and um, walls. Like, that, to me, was more horrific than... The monster in the sky, like the monster in the sky, I thought was just awesome. I just thought it was so cool. I loved it. Um, I loved watching it. it. It just reminded me of every <laughs> nightmare that I yeah, had as yeah. a child of yeah. like big world nightmares, yeah, very have, War of the Worlds type yeah, of image. large yeah. world uh, nightmares. Um, and for that reason, like I, I really did like the second one, but the, the first one I think shocked me more. Um, yeah,
2: I, I honestly, I think I actually would agree with that, Dan. I think actually I really, I think I prefer the Demogorgon definitely over the Demodogs. Uh, I thought they were not as strong of a like bad force. And I think even there was some really amazing, strong aspects of the Shadow Monster. But I thought the Demogorgon still scares me. <laughs> uh, the Shadow Monster does in a sort of way. It more it gets me excited to to watch season three, uh, one of my favorite Actually, my favorite episode from season two was the final episode. Like, just so much happens. Nice. Like, in fact, when it starts, you're like, "How is it all gonna get wrapped up?" Oh yeah, because it's like, called <laughs> loads. Yeah, of- we got, yeah, we got one hour to do yeah. this, and and they had so much happen and so so many amazing things in that episode. Uh, but my favorite part of that episode too is actually the snowball. I just the snowball is, I love it. Oh my gosh! In so- every every character, there's so much good for each of them. Um, Dustin. That just reminded me of
0: every disco that I went to. Yeah. Yeah. Dustin's experience. Yeah. I want to hear more about (laughs) your guys
2: on the snowball. But the, but the thing is about the, the monster was that, 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 final turn where it turns and you see it looming over it and uh did you guys think about what song was oh of course of course because that song is creepy anyway every Um, breath you take
0: it's a creepy song anyways it It was about that song was written about a girl that he was stalking like it's
2: not even it's totally what's happening right there is that the the, the shadow monster is actually stalking in fact even says uh You know, every breath you take, every move um, you make, I'll be watching. Every time you wake, yeah, yeah, watching you. Even says something about. um, Can't you see? You're the one for me. Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, he even mentioned something about the cold, um, in that song. I can't remember where the line is, but mentions the the coldness, and uh, he likes it cold. That's that's a good. That's a good line, (laughs) season two. Um, and I just I loved that. That was such a clever clever use. They use the music use is so. It's yeah. never just a straight send up. It's yeah. so multi layered and and so such good homages. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, and you could tell they made some money, season one, and yeah, Netflix invested because you know to put that kind into kind of song copyrights and all of that stuff. I mean, because season one didn't yeah. have yeah. didn't have a ton yeah. of that. Should it was I more or just original I soundtrack. Go? You know, that was but, the only. Yeah. One,
0: that
2: was really the only one they had. Right. Yeah, even like the the, the one the it. David Bowie song was a, was a was a cover. cover. Yeah. I wonder if that would even heroes. Yeah, exactly. That was a, that was
0: a good tasteful use of it was. Um, it was music. But well, you're right. In the second season, it was definitely a
2: bigger production and all uh, the way around. I just, yeah, I, yeah, I loved that. Yeah, snow <laughs> 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 in Snowball. What else did you guys like about the Snowball? I loved, I loved it.
0: I I liked it. I liked um, Nancy kind of redeeming mm. Dustin's like mm. shame <laughs> yeah. and it, and embarrassment. Um, and then of course, when Eleven came in, that was sort of game over. Really, just yeah. for it was a good closure to everything.
2: That's a good point about Nancy though too, because actually, I think there's a potential for it to go into more like kind of um, love triangle direction because now steve and nancy both have some sort of mentor connection to dustin Dustin. interesting um however i'm hoping that it goes in a more redeeming uh direction for for nancy too and that maybe that that's going to be one of her avenues for for reconciliation and for and for maturing as -hmm. a person too so i'm looking forward to that with season three
3: And I love the, um, in the, in the snowball, just, just the honesty. Eleven's sort of, again, I keep kind of going back to her Mm. innocence of just, I don't know how to do this. And Mike says, I don't know either, you know, Mm -hmm. and we'll just figure it out together. I just thought, you know, that's right, right on. Yes. And I I thought that was really uh, just a great moment. Of course, they got to do the, they got to figure out the kissing stuff and again, (laughs) take or leave that. Cause again, I, you know, whatever, but, um, but and, and my, my my wife and I were like, wait a minute, that's the one thing maybe we don't believe is at a middle school dance, everybody is out on the dance floor I mean, yeah. most of the time it's just wallflowers yeah. everywhere. You know, but that was a hop and it was really well park. decorated. Yeah, it, it was. was like the, <laughs> the pan out
0: when you see it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I wish was that the yeah. yeah. disco I went to when
2: I was a kid was like that. Yeah. I think it's kind of a, a thing in the show, though. I mean, the snowball is probably much better than the you know normal high, middle school dance, and then the the uh, the kegger like yeah, does that it really happened. <laughs> I don't <yeah>. know.
3: <laughs> well, and it, that's another interest we haven't mentioned this, but where other than um, Joyce, who is so invested, the par- again, mm-hmm. parents are are sort of these sure. off off out of sight, out of mind. And that, that does, in some ways, I think actually represented my experience in part of mm. being a kid in the 80s where you were kind of on your bikes with your buddies and you were roaming the neighborhood and we had all these names for you know the different blocks of of bike rides that we would do and in you know have your this whole world and i remember us going into the woods and burning things up and starting fires and you know it's just not the world right now yeah and it you know it's you know we live now this kind of helicopter parenting yep. thing to to the hilt and again we're invested in our in our in our kids but they were they were also I felt like extreme to that end, you know mm-hmm. where, you know, Nan- uh, you know Nancy and Jonathan are off for multiple nights and and still that never kind of, you know, is no big deal, uh, and, yeah. and again, they have their alibis or whatever. But I, I think it's interesting to look at just the the way that they envisioned parents in the 80s and maybe sure. it was realistic or maybe it was yeah. just you know, whatever. But. I thought that was fascinating.
0: Yeah, I I think as I was like watching it, I was thinking about you know parenting in it, and most of the parents are distant in some degree. I thought Mike and Nancy's mum, she was the they tried to portray her as being somebody who cared. She was well meaning, but often the timing of things, right. and she didn't really persist very hard. Mm-hmm. But she did want her kids to like. You can share anything with me. I thought that that was, that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the, <laughs> I loved this. So my favorite episode in season two was, uh, I think it was episode two, chapter two, um, only because of Ghostbusters. Cause as a kid, I loved Ghostbusters so much. And the way they ended that uh, episode with the Ghostbusters theme song was awesome. But in that there's, there's a point where they're dressing up for school. I think it's at the beginning and then they f- the sort of switch between all of the houses and you've got the mums taking the photos i loved that scene because you have the different responses of the kids (laughs) um and of course you have like um you have dustin and his mum who have this sort of really funny cute relationship um it was adorable to watch and then you have mike who just hates the fact that his mom's taking photos of him he's so embarrassed of his mother and embarrassed that she like wants him to um say these things and then you have lucas and his family lucas who is just loving being in this costume and his sister calling him (laughs) a nerd i just i love that i thought that that was a really good portrayal of uh different kinds of sort of standard family life outside of really like what we might experience in Christian circles where there's sort of discipleship and um, mm. a certain bar of um, parenting. Um, so I, I did like it for that. I think they just did such a good job of portraying things the way they were yeah. and sort of still are for a lot of your average American families. Mm. Um, now, I know we we got to kind of wrap up here. Um, but I think, like, maybe just turning it, like, as a Christian watching these shows, watching shows in general, um, where, like, where do you think we should be in terms of how we watch? Like, with what eyes? Are we watching it just to, like, dull ourselves and be entertained? So that's one kind of thing that I'd like to talk about. And then, in general, approaching TV and entertainment, like, as a Christian, more and more specifically as a disciple somebody who wants to be a saint like
3: how should we approach tv and entertainment hmm. great question you know um i i approach it from the perspective of story and i i i love to watch a great story i think all of us do and i think it's why we're drawn into a show like this Versus just you know what whatever is out there like i i would I would say my wife and I we're very picky about what we choose to invest in, but we're we're kind of open to whatever that may be. you know we one of the things we do is we we take a pretty clear look at IMDB. Mm-hmm. And kind of just parents in advance, <laughs> just to know, right? What's that?
2: The parents' guide. Yeah, the if, parents' guide. Yeah, I Would use you? that for myself. Yeah, so have a parents' guide yeah, me me. Yeah. for me. For yeah. me, I use it for yeah. me. Thank you. I'm I a parent. It's a guide <laughs> yeah. for parents. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a yeah. parent. Thank you very much.
3: <laughs> um, and I just and so we'll look at we'll you know we'll start a show and then you know look a little bit into the parents' guide and go well this isn't is going to work. Uh, that's why I love this at the TV 14 level. Um, versus TVMA, mm-hmm. and um, and so I, I, I so I would say part of part of what we're doing is we're looking for for story, great storytelling, great characters, um, and something that kind of helps you to reflect on what it means to be a human person in mm-hmm. the world, and um, ver- versus maybe your garden variety kind of Christian movies out there that you know are kind of paper thin. And the character, there's no depth and there's no real drama in the proper sense. And so that's what we're always kind of looking for. And I felt like a story like Stranger Things really, really hit there. And again, my wife and I were products of the 80s. We're in our 40s. And so that was our time, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to look at it. I, I really I think I think the you saying that doesn't at all sound like you're just saying that. I think it's like totally a, it was shown so much in the way you commented on the different characters and, and how like w- w- the characters and the story and the, and the things all what it has to say about being human. And, and that's, that's really beautiful. I think I want to try and move that way a little bit more with, I, th- I think sometimes I can have not quite as, uh as much of that vision. I think sometimes I can fall into enjoying just all the references and like, you know, like the kind of the analogies and allegories and that can, that can be helpful too. Um, but I think I really want to move towards that of, of, of trying to see just how does this, what does this say about the experience of being human? Um, I think it's so foundational for being Christian, of course, is, is, is being human. Um, but I think too, I think when I do watch a show like this, I do try and have very much like critical blinders on, of, of, um, trying to think, what does this say about the world? Was it say about, um, uh, how things are, how reality is. Right. And it's, that's one of the things I really like about stranger things is even just things like the upside down. I know it was one of the first things I talked to Dan about or hinted at and that's why I wanted Dan to watch it so much is actually, I thought that the upside down, uh, for me, that was one of the most compelling things about the show too, was, was this, this sense of there's this other dimension, things going on that are like close to you. You can't see it. Maybe other people don't believe that it's happening and have no reason they think to believe that. Um, it's not an allegory for the spiritual dimension in, in our, in reality but uh there is it does I think, in me, it stirs up this uh this sort of sort of like capacity for God, you know, like the the capacity for spiritual things it it teases that out in me, and I hope in others of being open to you know maybe there is more beyond just the things that we're touching and mm-hmm. and feeling the, the the very physical things.
3: yeah, I think that's an excellent I think it's an excellent point. And there's we see the material world, but there is a spiritual world attached to that material world and if if we could have eyes to see it mm-hmm. at times it might look more like the upside down <laughs> yeah, right yes yeah, um, and then i I just will say one thing just in terms of of of, of faith, this is a little bit back to the story itself, but one of my my favorite moment, and I must have kind of gone back over and over it last night we watched we just finished the ninth episode season two last night and Joyce yells at Will but mm. really at the shadow monster. She, what did she say? Get the hell out of my son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I it's just pretty literal. I I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I I loved that. I just thought that broke into just this sense of the way in which we again as parents have to be at times forceful mm. oh, yeah. in mm. spiritual realities wow, and, yeah. and take authority yeah. and i just I just thought, because all I could keep thinking was, as a christian, as a Catholic, i'm like that kid needs an exorcist, <laughs> yeah. you know like he needs yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what's he going to do you know holy water, and he, he you know but but she actually in some ways kind of went to that place of there are You know, the spiritual forces uh, are real, and they do come in and live inside of us, and Mm -hmm. they at times need to be commanded out. And I, so I I thought that was just this great moment. I don't know if that moment hit you guys, but no, it did. Definitely,
0: it definitely hit me in a very similar way. Like it was a sort of hat tip to uh, Christianity, I think, Um, whether intentionally or not. Like I think a lot, I think a lot of people probably shared that experience. Um, so like approaching TV for me, uh, as a Catholic striving to be a disciple and hopefully one day a saint. Um, and, uh, the way that I would like approach TV in general is like, is this, is it leading me toward things and thoughts of holiness or is it drawing me down into the earth further? And for me, stranger things evidenced probably by a lot of our conversation has a lot of wholesome elements in it mm. because it shows the true nature of a broken humanity. And it also shows some really key themes of Christianity that we can draw from sacrifice, redemption, um, like and dying to evil. self yeah. good and evil. Like there's some very strong Christian themes in it unintentionally, but it's just a result of being like brought up in society because western civilization is founded on the principles and the morality of christianity so i will look to tv and see are there these themes in there and when if i do find them in there like i'm looking at the parents guide if it's you know the f word every other word or they're like trying to perpetuate a glorified worldview of sin yeah whether that's gang life or if it's uh um, or if it's even just worldly success, if it's so devoid of a Christian worldview, then I don't think it's healthy yeah. for us um, as Christians to, to be watching. And we need to be like sensitive to the fact that we will be formed by what we watch and listen. Mm-hmm. You are what you eat. And in a certain sense, you are what you absorb intellectually. Mm-hmm. So if you're watching crap, you're going to essentially, your mind's going to turn to crap. Uh, it's going to turn to the world. And so I'm very sensitive of that because I've been there. And my whole life was absorbed with um, different things from the world that were just drawing me deeper and deeper down into a godless worldview. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that as Christians, we just need to be discerning.
3: Yeah. I'd love to know, Were there have there been shows where you started watching and then there was something that you were sort of convicted by and go you know i got to i got to back off
2: yeah there was yeah. recently recently for me pole too
3: <clears throat> what was it uh it is a british tv show called pole dark okay it ended up just
0: being very soap oper- opera and uh-huh. like you know, sort of these the characters and the way that they were making choices and um it just was not it just wasn't good for the soul yeah. it was not wholesome in yeah. the end it started off kind of wholesome, sure. but then like devoured away. One which we're watching right now, which I find really compelling, but is Daredevil. We've only just started watching wow. Daredevil, and we're three episodes in, and there are some things about it that I'm I'm like, is this? Can I keep watching this? Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen Daredevil. Yeah, Sarah it. loves Daredevil.
2: <laughs> I've watched a lot of it. Um, she's watched like all of it, and she loves at least the first season for sure. She loves it, so she'll have to talk to you about that for sure and, and give her opinion on it. For me, the show was Peaky Blinders. That was really recent. Is we watched? It's about yeah, like a. Well, it turns out it really is just about a gang. You know, like a family gang in nineteenth kind of century, early nineteen hundreds, early, early yeah, colors. yeah, um, England in in uh what is it birmingham england um it's really really well done with the characters and the uh it feels like you're in early 1900s birmingham and it's it's like amazing on that level and so i wanted to be able to love it and keep watching it but i watched the first season i can't say i would suggest someone to actually watch the whole first season i certainly after watching it i was i felt like you know i don't want to spend any more time with this gang you know like this is this there was there was some very redeeming elements about it um so i don't regret having watched it. i don't think it like made me forget the face of christ you know and, and take me away from from that but it but it uh but I do feel like I, it would lead me towards that if I kept watching it and just, you know, kind of living in that world for too long. Um, and so I don't plan to watch it uh, again. Um, yeah. And that was that was the, the sense I had.
3: Yeah. I, would, I had that experience with Mad Men. Mm. I don't know if you guys have seen no, no, that no, show. No, no, no,
2: no.
0: <laughs> yeah. I watched a
3: little bit of it and similar. Similar. Yeah. Feeling. And again, not to I won't spoil that, but just the 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 theme of adultery is just heavy (laughs) and that's it's really the guts of that show and is as as amazing as the the costume and the world this kind of early 60s world this ad exact world they created it's just incredible loved everything from you know story to character to so on but but it felt like what it was at the heart was a celebration albeit uh, is this glorification of adultery. Yeah. And we finally just said, you know, you just have that feeling I've just had enough and I just can't go. And so we, you know, we stopped about six or seven episodes in. But you're like you were, you know. And and, and so it's interesting how I, I, and then and then I had the opposite experience where I don't know if you guys have seen the show Fargo, either one of season the, 1 or season oh, 2. I have I show. I've, I've I've, the I well, I Actually, I
0: did watch a little bit of it, but then it got really, really gory. Yeah, so that's that's what <laughs> yeah. that stopped me. From yeah, here, so so
3: that's but we persisted with, with okay. Fargo, and I went IMDb. You know, each episode, I'm like, okay, here's things to look out for and to know. And no, it's not too bad. It's going to work. But again, we fell in love with the characters so much, and and again, loved the story that they were telling, that that we persisted through the violence. So so it's these two different realities of of what 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 do you persist through and how do you do that for the sake of what or when does it become too much mm-hmm. and um anyway it's 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 been an interesting i think this is an interesting challenge because i think we're in a place now movies are not king you know television is yeah. king right yeah. now mm-hmm. and that's where the best stories are being told yes. yeah. and yeah. so figuring out as a catholic as a dad as a husband what what kind of relationship to have with this medium is is critical because i love it i love storytelling i yeah. love i love um, I love it for all the reasons we're, we're here talking about this show, yeah. you know? Um, but we've decided we want to be really intentional and are willing to, if either one is, is not on board, we're both off board. And yeah. that's kind of our, been our rule of thumb. We, we don't watch shows separately. So I've heard you guys kind of talk about that. Yeah. Like that's yeah. just not something my wife and I yeah. do. We only watch shows together, you Yeah. Know? Yeah. And yeah. for better or worse, you know, that's yeah, kind of where totally. we're at. So
2: I wonder if that's different too, just with where we're at in our, like fatherhood and stuff. I, I find yeah. my time probably looks different than, than, you know, how old are your kids?
3: Uh, they're kind of 10, 11, 12, okay. 15. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And for Dan and I, our oldest are yeah. still are both yeah. under under four. Um, you know, so I wonder. But yeah, I have thought about that whether or not to you know ever watch a show without without Sarah. But I I usually am just keeping her up up to date on like well we watch this you know. Or...
0: I don't think I would watch a show without Sarah. Now obviously I have with Stranger Things. Yeah. But I I think. With stranger things there's an exception there because we watched the first season and really only because i was persistent with like i want to be able to do it i want to be able to communicate with those Mm -hmm, that i'm supervising mm -hmm, on a level that they can relate to me that's right that i'm ever looking toward that um likewise superheroes like i watched forced myself to watch a lot of the super like the marvel world um primarily because that is pretty much what every guy that comes to net knows Mm. and if i can talk about the faith in terms of things like that then Mm. it's helpful to people sure so a lot of like the the paradigm which i approach watching stuff is um for better or worse like relevancy Mm -hmm. um yeah i I like stories i love storytelling i love movies i'm beginning to come to understand as you say that like movies are not king anymore for storytelling Mm -hmm. um so there is like my wife and i we will watch things together and and it's for fun but previously it was um mostly movie type things and now it's sort of transitioning into story and i don't think that i will watch things without my wife binge watching things in general. Like that's a buzzword. And you know, you're saying the story is um, really being told in TV. And when we say TV, like what we're really talking about is streaming services like Amazon video and Netflix and um, all of these sort of instantly available. It used to be the days gone past where you would have an episode released every week or on a consistent time and day. Now an entire season is given to you. So there's longer the days past where you're like, "Oh no, we got to wait a whole week to find out what happens to whoever." Now we can find out in one evening, in one night everything that happens. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you think about that as uh you know, the morality of it essentially? The morality of just watching something in one sitting and getting into the habit of doing that when things come out.
3: Temperance is the first word that comes to my mind and the virtue of, I mean, well, one, there's just prudence. Is this the a prudent use of my time? But also just, uh, I, I've, I've long believed and long experience. Maybe you guys have too, that in order for me to say yes to the right things, I need to say no to the right things as well. And mm-hmm. so there's always this question of yeses and no's. And so, um, Generally, my wife and I we we might have watched previously some years back multiple episodes at one time, but we now and I would be one that might stretch this, but my wife would always just go, "No, that's silly. <laughs> let's let's go to bed," you know. So we watch only one episode a day. We're, we we don't do any more than one episode a day. That's just been our kind of rule of thumb, and it's sort of it's worked. Um, but I, I to me, I think it's a real and just in general, I think it's a temperance issue that that people aren't able to say no to it's consu- it's consumption you know whether it's exactly. alcohol or or whatever um, you know they they're they're consuming more than i think uh, a person was created to consume mm. um, and we become just perpetual consumers, and we have no way to say no to ourselves. What if we did that with food? What if we did that with alcohol? What if we did that with a whole bunch of other things? So I sort of put it in that category. I don't know if that's the the right category, or if Aristotle would put it in that category. I don't know. Um, Or Aquinas. But uh, that's sort of the category I see it in. And it's served us well, because, you know, we've Get you know our morning times we all know right our morning times and the things we want to accomplish in the morning really depend on how we handle our evening times mm-hmm. absolutely and mm-hmm. and that's really the connection yeah. that, that we have to draw now I don't I'm not judging those folks who would do it differently because everybody's wired different everybody has different bandwidth to watch stuff and time and whatever we have these just little snippets and we choose to use it just for that you know on a on a nightly basis you know so many times a week
0: yeah I I tend to agree with that a lot um for me i know when i've like overstepped the boundary um i usually go something like this you know we're watching something in the evening whether it's stranger things or uh we watched a lot of the flash as well we'd watch one episode and then we'd be like okay let's watch another one and then we got to go to bed but then that comes to an end and we're like oh, we could probably fit one more in. (laughs) And then you end up watching it, and then the next day your morning's thrown off. Mm -hmm. Like that, for me, is a very clear, like, okay, I overstepped the bounds there of temperance. Um, And really, like, with anything in the Christian life, in exercising um, pleasures of the world, like, boundaries need to be put in place, or at least, like, some, like discernment of striving for virtue in these areas. And, you know, when I hear of people watching something an entire, an entire season in the night, like it does bring that question in my mind of, is is that conducive to, um, you know, living out a Christian life of discipleship and, and essentially living a canonizable life, right? Because that's mm. the goal. You know, the goal isn't necessarily just, I want to be canonized one day, but the goal should be like the here and the now I want to live a canonizable life. And is the way that I'm like treating TV and entertainment, is that something that's going to work toward my canonization or not? It's not about like self-glorification It's more about opening up your heart so that instead you're using those times for self gift, giving self to God, um, your family or whatever so that's just a big question in my mind I don't have like a set answer my gut tells me in the name is the answer <laughs> binge watching kind of <laughs> sort of like really says something there um, yeah what are well, your thoughts uh, let me say one uh, more thing yeah. though
3: and then I want to hear any yeah, of what your yeah your thoughts are but because I don't I don't I, I think binge watching on occasion. Isn't, is, is one thing versus a lifestyle of binge watching mm. where, where you just, you go from one thing to the next and you watch all the shows and, and you're always, you know, that's, I think we would probably all say that's a little bit off. But for somebody who goes, you know what, this weekend things are clear and Stranger Things just came out and we've got an ordered way in which we want to watch all nine episodes and we're excited about it. And it's fun. That's different. Yeah, you know yeah. and especially if it if it build if there's some community that's built around that yeah. and there's a way in yes. which you're not just yeah. yeah so so I just want to qualify my remarks because I think there are times where for special occasions you know, yeah, but versus a lifestyle of it, right? Like
0: I, watching all of the Lord of the Rings, like right. all three of like <laughs> yeah. extended episodes are gonna. equal. Yeah, no one, no
3: one could say that's yeah. intemperate. It's right. gonna, it's gonna equal, that's gonna equal, <laughs> that's gonna no, equal no. like
0: an entire season no. of uh, <laughs> like the Bible all oh, night. No, you wouldn't <laughs> right. judge me for that. That's yeah. right, that's right. But the culture of bin, binge watching isn't a Christian thing. It isn't a virtuous thing. And for a disciple or somebody trying to be a saint to like perpetuate it I, I i have issue with that
2: yes okay, okay. that's what, and that's what i would say too is is that with binge watching the trouble there is i think it can be part of that culture i don't know if you guys have experienced this, but that culture of glorifying in disorder yes um, yeah, that's and yeah. that's that's the thing is if it's part of that i mean if you could look at it and like you said have an ordered weekend where you watch the whole season then that's that could be good that, that could be fantastic but sometimes I hear someone like, yeah, I watched it all that night. And and you can just tell, they can tell that it was wrong or they, or maybe they actually are glorifying in it. Like, gosh, I didn't even wake up till 2 PM the next day, you know, barely got to mass, you know, on Sunday. And it's like, okay, like don't glorify in that. I have to catch my, I have to catch myself with that with things like coffee. I love coffee. And there's like the health issue type of thing of how much to drink, but also it's kind of just wrong. I think to glorify how much you need to drink this, you know, black gold, you know? know,
0: I took it to prayer because somebody actually brought to me a concern they had. Um, They were just dissatisfied with people glorifying binge-watching. And I never really thought of binge-watching before. I just, I heard the phrase. um, I knew it meant watching something because you really, really like it, watch a lot of it. But I didn't really think about the morality of it. So I went away, thought about it, prayed with it, and asked the Lord, would you show me in prayer the next day? Would you show me today at Mass? It was a daily Mass. Would you show me um, something? And it was Jesus right before he picked the 12. He goes away and he watches all night. So here we have the Lord, the original binge watcher, (laughs) who is up all night praying. But he's God. He's up all night praying. And the next day he comes down and he selects. To 12. And that was just really poignant. It was just amazing for me to firstly try and wrap my head around God Praying all night about mm. like who shall <laughs> I pick, um, as if it was some big quandary, which obviously isn't. He wants to be united with the Father, and he wants the kingdom to come, mm-hmm. and there is an urgency there. And the the, the issue that I take with like binge watching for the person who wants to be a saint is that we neither know the day nor the hour of when the Lord is going to come, and to the time that is given to us is a gift, and to use that as much as we can with a sense of urgency. Um, is something that I, I, I wrestle with. Yeah, so.
2: memento mori, right? That's, yeah. that's definitely the principle for me. Is if I if I die tonight after having, you know, watched what I watched tonight, like, where am I going to go? <laughs> yeah. That sort of thing, you know. Like, it, am I happy with where I'm at? It, you know, is it a canonizable life? Is it a, a life that's going to enter into into glory or not? You know, and and to that end, like, did what I just experience like expand my capacity to um, enter into eternal life? or did not
3: <laughs> and I also think I think sometimes it's just the easiest thing to do mm-hmm. and it's harder to read a book It takes more energy and and and, and I'm all and for me that feels like there's some co-creation in reading a book I'm yeah. using my imagination I'm engaged the ideas are you know it isn't just passive you know television you know TV and movies is, is is a very passive activity. It's a passive activity I enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I hope to enjoy it in moderation. Uh, and yet I, I always am asking myself, um, is there more that you want from me in terms of not just being a consumer, but a creator or a mm-hmm. co-creator? Yeah. And and so that's that's actually a question. I'm, I'm I'm reading this starting to read this book called The Benedict Option. Have you guys seen? The of yes. Heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Recommend mm-hmm. it. It's it's great. Um. But he's he's really putting a, a, a fine point again on living, living differently, mm-hmm. and living a, you know a, a purposeful a purposeful life in the midst of this culture. You know. And so it's really helped me to kind of look back at the lack of contemplation that's mm. in our lives and there's something in, in a sense of, of, of you know what we we are contemplating hours of yes Hollywood and minutes seconds of the Lord mm. Jesus and that's just one of those things I'm always going yeah, yeah. and I'm almost afraid to ask the Lord a little <laughs> yeah, bit about yeah. it because <laughs> I like oh, I you know right do you feel that Yo, absolutely, yeah you know, absolutely absolutely kind of, yeah. we're good right I kind of got it but yeah. maybe we're not yeah so yeah that's that's a little bit of what I've been reflecting on.
1: All right, welcome back. This is the second segment of our podcast. This is the time of the show where Dan and I recommend something to you, the listener, that we think is great or we found helpful or we want everybody to check out. Dan, why don't you go first? Do you hear this? That's the sound
0: (laughs) of a beard on a microphone. And you know why it sounds so? Actually,
1: I I do wonder what that sounds like. It
0: sounds awesome. (laughs) It smells awesome. It looks awesome. But it smells awesome and looks awesome because of Catholic Beard Balm. I want to recommend them because their beard balm is quality. I make beard balm, um, but I almost feel bad because I make it because they firstly do an awesome prod, uh, product. Secondly, their profits go toward their youth ministry projects. Um, and I just think that that is so noble and awesome. And it really does smell good and feel great in your beard and make your gr- your beard sound
1: awesome. Yeah, recently they told me, the guys who made it, told me the story about making it. And uh, they went to a conference and they brought like a hundred, what, what do you call them, a tub of it? Oh yeah, those little tins? Yeah, so they brought a hundred of those thinking, well, that was going to be way too many. Or they just didn't know what to expect. And basically it was like four hours all of them were gone they realized they were onto something uh so yeah i I, uh don't have a beard but if i did i would definitely use catholic beard balm I'd like to recommend a website called StoryBrand.com. What StoryBrand is, is a organization that helps uh, companies, uh, products, nonprofits, they help anyone uh, clarify their message. Their big selling point is that they help people to understand that people don't always buy the best products or services, but people buy the products or services that they understand the best. And so recently... Uh, At NET, the marketing team went through a StoryBrand workshop and just did wonders for us on helping us to be able to communicate what NET really does. So I would really encourage you to check out StoryBrand.com. Check out their resources Uh, I really think what they do is worth it and outstanding. All right. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. Uh, We'd love to have you offer any feedback that you might have about the show, about topics that you'd like to hear about or things that you'd like us to cover. You can email us podcast at netusa.org. Also, we'd love to have you leave a great review at iTunes. They really, really help
0: because it shows other people who may not be familiar with the podcast that we're worth listening to. Yeah,
1: so please head over to the iTunes podcast store and leave us a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next time. You've been
2: listening to the Net Ministries podcast. Check out our show notes and more at netusa.org slash podcast. You can email us at podcast
0: at netusa.org.